Hey, welcome to episode 8 of No Guitar Is Safe. And you know, as sometimes is the case, I have to ask you a question, because I've been thinking about this. Maybe you can help me. Who do you think has the most cool guitar gig in rock and roll? And by guitar gig, I mean someone who's been hired by someone else to play lead guitar. Like, you know, hired gun situation. Who's got the most fun, fulfilling, kick-ass, badass hired gun situation going in rock? I'm going to say maybe it's Vic Johnson. Vic plays lead guitar for Sammy Hagar. He's been doing that for 18 years and counting. It's always been a fun gig, but now they have this new album, this new band. It's called The Circle, and the album is called At Your Service. It's a live album, and it's really live. It sounds totally legit. You know, I was driving up to Marin County to interview Vic. I mean, wait, I was, sorry, I was flying the helicopter, flying the helicopter. Yeah, right. And, um... I was getting a little drowsy and this album came on and it just picked me up. Like it was so real. The energy was so real. There's no overdubs. I don't think there's no auto tune. There's missing lyrics where they're clearly goofing off on stage or whatever. It's like a real album from the past. Like those seventies live albums that really had that feeling of a real night captured by some microphones. And these guys are throwing down and Vic, I mean, the set list is insane. And this is why I think he has the funnest job in rock because not only does he get to play the killer Sammy Hagar riffs, He also gets to play songs from Sammy's first real band, the great Montrose. Damn, I love me some Ronnie Montrose riffs. But he also gets to play the Van Hagar, or Van Halen, whatever you want to call it, riffs from when Sammy was in Van Halen. And as if that's not enough, they have Jason Bonham, John Bonham's son, in the band, which means they get to play all the Led Zeppelin that they want. So that's just like a four-course meal of perfection in terms of playing rock and roll on stage every night. I really had a blast interviewing Vic. Super cool dude. We're friends now, and I just met him the moment I walked in the room. And what a room this was. This room is where Sammy Hagar rehearses, where Chicken Foot, featuring Joe Satriani and those guys, and Sammy rehearse, where Joe Satriani rehearses his solo band. And then in the other room is this giant garage, and you know Sammy Hagar. This garage is insanity. If you know your cars, let me let me run some shit by you. It's got There's a Ford GT back there. There's a Shelby Mustang. There's a totally souped up old El Camino. And then there's also a Lotus. And then there's like eight Ferraris. And on the day that I was there was the day that Sammy got his newest Ferrari. It's called a La Ferrari. This car, I'm not making this up, is about 1.3, 1.4 million dollars. They make less than 500 of them. Got to go to Italy and get fitted for it. They make the seat like fit your butt. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a custom car for one point something. And it was there that day. 
and uh, Sammy was there. It was a trip. I actually talked to Sammy, and I asked him real quickly, man, Sammy, you've played with Eddie Van Halen and Ronnie Montrose and all these great players. What have you learned from Vic Johnson, who you played with longer than any of those other guys? This is what he told me. Oh, Vic completely taught me how to swing, man. Vic is such a, a, a pocket player, you know, and, and really in the groove to where I've always been a guy that I can play pretty good. I got a decent right hand, but I was always strapped to singing, so I couldn't do much with it. When Vic came in, it was just like I got a few more little right hand chops, you know, and, and to concentrate more on groove. And, and But the lead thing that I learned from Vic is that Vic holds on to a note until it says what he's trying to say to where he don't get off that note until he said it you know what i mean and that taught me a lot because that's a blues playing that's real true blues playing bb and all the boys they hung on that note until that (laughs) the word was spoken and vic does that and he really taught me that and and i i I play better that now i'm more expressive than i've ever been i used to couldn't lay on a note i'll be on the next one i think the same way you know my mind works fast and uh, i vic really slowed me down and it's a good lesson because i love the way i play since vic's been in the band i like the way i play better he taught me more than Eddie. I've never used my right fingers at hammer in my life, you know, unless I'm just fucking around. But I don't play that way because that's Eddie's thing. But the way Vic plays is more expressive, you know. It's not like a... Anyway. Did you have fun with that car today? Yes, sir, I did. <laughs> I'm wore out, though. Man, I was sweating in there. It's like hitting traffic going, fuck, I hope this car, hope it don't break down in traffic, man. You know, it's like it's, it's a radical car. How fast did you get up today? Uh, about 140. I haven't got it over 142, 144. Are you just buddies with all the cops or something? That just takes a couple, 10 seconds and you're, and you're there in the dust. And yes, of course, I had to ask him about the car, which he had taken out to lunch. <laughs> he came back looking like he had just played like the Super Bowl or something. There's a lot of work driving one of those things, like piloting an F-16 or something. But it was just great to be there. And um, I really clicked with Vic because he plays the hard rock, but he also plays the funk, which I just love. So let's fire up the chopper, head up to Marin County, one of my favorite places on earth, and catch up with Vic Johnson. That's an old lick from a band? Yeah. I forget what it is, though. The name of the band, though. Okay, I got a lot of highs going on because Sammy likes... He likes to feel it, huh? Yeah. I'm going to turn down, though. I can turn up. up into something, just anything. I made up. 
Yeah, you solo. No way, pal. You solo. me a little bit of like a little bit of a just a little bit of Isley's mixed uh, with a little bit of slime mixed with a little bit of a I also remind you a little bit of I always dude I always hear connection to songs Living yeah. Color you know that song yeah 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 desperate yeah. people yeah yeah I know Vernon a bit uh, oh yeah dude. I met Vernon in New York long long time ago before Living Color even got going man I mean, I love it when the funk meets the hard rock. Yeah, I mean, man. Totally, they were doing it. You're doing it, dude. I hear it right here. <laughs> man, you would have dug a, a Total Eclipse. I mean, the, we only did one album on yeah. uh, Taboo A&M Records. How do you was, know I'm going to dig that up? I'm it was cool, it man. I, you know, I, I went on eBay and bought my own record because <laughs> I didn't have it. And I was like, dude, I, 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 I got to find that record. And sure enough, I go on there and I'm like, God, I'm going to be paying what i think i paid what well, was a new one though at least yeah hey, you're like messaging the guy hey but this i'm on this record this is my band yeah you know i don't care pal <laughs> yeah it was all good i had to buy it it was i don't know it was do you remember $10. any riffs from that band that you could show me what, oh, what kind of stuff man. was it oh I'd love to hear just a wow. snippet a snippet of what total eclipse was like oh uh we had this one thing that was kind of like kind of heavy kind of a It was that kind of a thing, you know, one of them big fat grooves, you know, but. I don't remember all the licks, but <laughs> I was like listening yeah. to them. Oh, those, those were pretty cool back then, you know. So, uh, dude. Thanks for setting up all this stuff. Tell, tell the oh, listeners absolutely. where we are at the moment. We are right now currently at Sammy's Luxurious Red Studio across the way from the wonderful, beautiful Lucas Valley where the Star Wars are all happening. Yes. Yeah. Man. And then tell me about this room. What goes on in this room? This room is where we do all our, this is where the other magic happens. Right. Uh, you know, not that other magic, but the other magic. And we do a lot of recording here, uh, rehearsing here, yeah. parties here, <laughs> big band rehearsals here. You know, we get Hetfield over here. We get the Grateful Dead. We Everybody, heart. We do it all here. We've done it all. Wow. This is kind of a, a meeting house. This is the yeah, clubhouse, the man. The records. County. Yeah, everything. Everything's here. We you got do, a fat we do board behind here. that double glass over there. What do we got there? A fat board of some kind. Like oh, yeah, a, we got a, the board. We got all... We we have everything. We've everything's here. And who's that crazy guy that he went in that other room and there was I'm not making this oh, the, up. There was like seven 
priceless Ferraris in there, and oh, he took that off the guy. Money. That guy is infamous, the one and yeah. only. Uh, is that his name is Sam? Or something? Yeah, Mr. Mr. Hagar, the red, oh, the shit. red rocker, <laughs> red rocker. How happy was he when they raised the speed limit from fifty-five to seventy? Not happy enough. Not happy enough. But step but in the right direction. But it have to do. Doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. He he never goes fifty-five anyway, ever. I've been in the yeah. car with him many times over eighteen years. I've never seen 55. Only when we pull out of this driveway here from the studio, yeah. you know, he's 55 in the driveway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, once we get on the freeway, boom, it's on. What are those beasts like when you when he's driving in there? Are you kind of like, oh, like man, enjoying not, it, but are you kind of nervous it's too? It's this big smile that we can't see right now, but it's exactly what it is. It's yeah. like, there's no nervous with him because I yeah. know it's going to be all good. Now, the very first time I got in a car with him, I was nervous and I got sick. Really? My st- I almost lost it. Seriously? We're going up the mountain where he lives and it's wiggly, wiggly, wiggly up and it's a really fast elevation gain. I mean, I was like, whoa, I'm not yeah. used to this. And I'm from Colorado, but you know, now right. over here at sea level, you yeah, dig yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. But from Sausalito there where it's kind of like flat and then you get up to his house man it's you get up there quickly it's you know close to 3,000 feet I think or is it switchbacks too man yeah and then he goes crazy fast and all those blind spots forget about it so you got to hang on but now (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) I have no problem with it's all good he loans you those cars sometimes huh a couple of them yeah a couple (laughs) of them not not the not his new baby that one will no one's going to be driving that one so I mean, that's just one of the many perks of what I've been checking you out. And like one of the coolest guitar gigs in all of guitardom is your gig. man. Oh, man. Thank you. Man. Well, I mean, you play amazingly well and have oh, awesome you, tones man. and everything. And then the set list, like, okay, this new record, you know, Circle at Your Service. Yeah. You got, because you got Jason Bonham in the band. So you got the Zeppelin credentials. So you get to do Zeppelin. Yeah. You got Sam. So you're doing Montrose See, licks. Yeah, you're doing Van do, Halen. Yeah. You're doing Sammy licks. He writes excellent licks. Yeah. Himself. We do, we do it all. I mean, it's like, I mean, as a kid, you're dreaming about doing yeah. some stuff, you know, and playing with some guys possibly, you know, and I, hey, I'm the first, I'll raise my hand. I dream, dream, dream. But this is a bigger dream than I ever imagined, yeah. you know. Oh, man, you're the lead guitar. He gives you so much love. Too, he man. really so does. Like, Dick Johnson. He okay. really does. That album sounds great. Like, Thank you. Because it's so raw sounding. It's really I don't raw. hear any Pro Tools. It doesn't no. sound, there's no auto tune. No, we, we left it alone simply because that's the way we've always done it. Sammy's yeah. always, always been that way. Yeah. I think he was that way with Van Halen too, but... You know, yeah. him and Eddie would have to go back and forth on things, and but he does not like to go in and re-record. And yeah, I don't hear no- any re-records. It's there not, was you know, nothing. There's, there's a couple of missing lyrics hey, in there when you guys exactly. are jumping around. It's live the way it's, it's supposed to be, and it's got know? that energy. Like, it, yeah. see, I was in the car and I was drifting. I was like, Spotify, save me. <laughs> it's got everything, you know, because there's no. Like I said, you know, you, you record stuff and you think, man, you know, and then you listen back to it. First of all, I didn't know we were going to even do a live record, so he kind of always pulls that one on us yeah you think you know i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna you know we gotta put this out live you know and you know so i'm like oh great you know so now we're going through the shows to check out to see what's this is after it's all said and done he decides to do this though by the way so now i'm i mean we played pretty 
pretty good nightly. You know, there's some places where we couldn't get the full production in. There's some most of the places we could, but there are some places where things just didn't come together. You know, as far as hanging up all the screens and all the all the lights, and so we had to a couple of things like the drum solo that's on the record, which is awesome. Jason actually plays with his dad during right. the show. It's a big video there. It comes up. And uh, and he's playing along with him from Song Remains the Same. So we used that solo. You know, I went through all the hard drives and I'm like, you know, I try to get one complete show, which I basically did. It's one complete show from Atlantic City, I believe it is. But I swear he says, hello, Connecticut or something. In oh, yeah. There's a couple of them. There's yeah. a couple. But because yeah. there's some things where you're yeah. like going, hmm, that vocal right there, eh, that's not good. It was only like a couple of songs. It doesn't get any more alive than what it it, it is. But we ended up using a, a, another drum solo for Jason because he didn't want to use his dad's solo to begin with. So right. we ended up using a solo from one of those other gigs that was off the cuff where we couldn't get all the production in where he's just playing his ass off. Right. So and that ended up being useful that you didn't well, have Well, luckily we had that one, you know, yeah. because at first I sent him the one, you know, with his pops yeah. and he was like, oh no, we can't do that. I'm thinking, yeah. oh man. <laughs> and I was, it was a headache. I'm thinking, oh, and I'd send him stuff. I'm like, Jason, but that solo's killing. And then I found the one and we used it. I played that one for him. I go, dude, you're killing on this one. He goes, yep, that's good. There you go, man. And then that was the end of that. We just went on with it, man. It was, it's a good thing. But And I forgot to mention, you have Mikey from Van Halen, Michael Anthony in the band too, which there, right there, you have a serious veteran and killer backup singer. Absolutely, man. Mikey's, you know, he's an iconic guy too. He's the guy, you know. Yeah, you're hanging out with him. Before we talk about Mikey, show me, let's show show the listeners the, like the first three riffs. Like what we're talking about here, you come out with, there's we only one way to rock. Out, we come out with one way to rock, which is... Hit me with that shit. <laughs> Let's <laughs> try it together yeah, for a second. Two. One, two, three. Sounds cool too, guitars. I, I can totally feel that yeah. I'm, I'm pushing it a little bit. You guys are like in a really cool pocket. Yeah, on that. we put it in a pocket. Yeah. yeah, I've played that a couple different ways when I first came into the band. I was kind of, you know, everybody's pumped. Sam had just got out of Van Halen. He was ready to get his solo back groove back on. So, and I was kind of playing it more like, like. Putting that gung 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 gung, adding that F in there, that's just that chunk. Anyway. So then the very next song is another fucking killer lick. I think it's Rock Candy. Yeah, Rock Candy, which was one of my favorite. That was my introduction to. Montrose and uh, I don't know about where you heard it first but the first time I heard it was at a movie A Star is Born 
You ever seen that movie? You know, I have not seen that movie. It was just on the other night. I recorded it just for that so I could watch it. I haven't watched it again yet, but I went there. Oh, man. With a friend. I was a, I don't know, a couple girls. I don't know. We went. I was, oh, I want to see a star born. Oh, okay. Who's in it? Like, is it? Uh, Barbara Streisand and uh, Chris Christopherson. Okay. So... And what's the scene when the it's like they're doing a big concert outdoors you know because he's like a country guy you know but before he's about to come on you hear this boom boom ba ba boom boom ba and I woke up because I was sleeping during that movie dude you know <laughs> right. hey the movie's awesome though now but as a kid back then I was like that movie was not doing it for me but when that came up that music man I woke up I was like oh my god what is that and then you know. I was like, don't okay. Stop. Oh, don't stop. I want to hear a little more. Loved it, man. And I just yeah. said, oh, I waited till the end of the movie. I was like, okay, look at watching the credits. Montrose, Rock Candy. I knew it had to have been that because yeah. everything else in the movie, you know, <laughs> the names did not fit what was going on with the yeah. rest of the movie. But that, I go, yeah. that's got to be it. Went to the store, picked that record up, man. And I was like, oh, yes, yeah, oh, now. How old were you? Oh, man, I was probably 15, 16 years old oh, when great. that movie came out. Yeah. 17. No, I love those kind of riffs because they have a huge space in them for the drums. It makes the drums sound. Yeah, that's sound. Ronnie, man. That, you know, yeah. that's, I think those, I think that was Ronnie Lick. Yeah, you, you know, know, when I heard, first heard Heavy Metal, which I now know is a Sammy song. That's definitely a Sammy I Lick. I thought it was Montrose because it had that same kind yeah. of vibe. Could you play that for us? Yeah, I mean, he got a lot of, st- you know, his licks from, you know, I mean, Ronnie was a monster. Yeah, absolutely. And it was like... It's got the the Hendrix score in there. Oh yeah. And then it punks out, you know, it does that, yeah. you know, and then it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Sam writes some uh, crazy licks. Okay, tell me if you remember this one that I learned when I was 13. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I must have played that for like we, three weeks straight. <laughs> we, we never play that. We uh, yeah. play that like a couple of times in Cabo. Yeah. You ever gone? I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, man. We play that like a couple of times in Cabo, but yeah. he usually just plays that. I don't play that. He'll do it with uh, Los Tres Casanos. 
it's Mikey and David Lauser on drums, and they'll like open the night and they'll play like old, old, old dirt, old dick in the dirt, all that stuff, man. But that was a good lick. Yeah, it's so easy, and you get so much mileage out of it. Like any thirteen-year-old could play. Yeah, man. I could, you know, you could probably learn how to play that after your first lesson. That's right. You know, it's so easy. I don't know that I'd be able to do that. You know, I didn't even start yeah. playing like licks like that, like actually yeah. being able to solo until I was like 18, 19 years old. When did you start playing? I started when I was about 12, 13. You know, yeah. I kind of messed with it when I was 11, 12. You know, but I wasn't very good. Colorado. Colorado. And. and my neighbor yeah. friend had a guitar and I'd check him out and he'd play Gloria, you know, he'd be. I thought that was the coolest thing. It's so and he funny, was... man. We're, I'm starting a Gloria collection. It's Billy Sheehan, Brad Gillis, and now you are all mentioning Gloria as kind of your first jam. Hey, how about that? I mean, it really was because, I mean, I didn't even know what the song or who it was really until my neighbor played it on his guitar and was singing it. And then I heard it on the radio after that. I'm like, oh, because I, I was a little, little young kid. And I'm thinking, I was, see, I was sixth grade. He was in seventh or eighth grade. And I, I, you know, I knew some stuff from the radio, but that song I didn't know. But he had it down, and I just thought it was the coolest thing to watch him play and sing that, you know. And then I was like, I got into it just after uh, he actually introduced me to that song. And I was like, you know what, I want to play guitar. Not the Beatles, not watching the Beatles on TV in 19, whenever that was, 63, 64, whatever. You didn't 66. see that. Well, I was a very little kid. I was, okay. hey, I'm a lot older than I think. <laughs> I'm a lot older look, than no, you You think. look so young. I swear to God. Thanks, yeah. man. You still get carded. Don't lie. I haven't. I, I think it's funny. Yeah, it's, I know it. I'll, I'll, go, get, I'll go get some beer, and, open, and the lady will be like, can I see your ID, please? And I'm like, okay. Oh, I guess. <laughs> so now, how did you develop your skills over like your high school years? Oh, man. Like, like, there was another guitar player. I always played with two guitars. That's another thing. Love playing two guitars. The only time I didn't play two guitars was when the bus boys and... Totally clips. I was the only guitar player. So I was in a band and the other guitar player, this guy named Bill Gemiter, just killer, the Gemiter brothers, G-M-I-T-E-R. He was outstanding guitar player. His brother was an outstanding drummer and he played a little bass also, but I played in their band and they used to play at all this high school dances and, you know, typical whatever. And I'd, I was like, man, these guys are so good. You know, I I was probably around 10th grade, 9th, 10th grade, and I was like, I'm going to get my way into these guys' band somehow. I'm going to make my way through. And I'd go by and I had an SG. I was the only guy that had a Gibson SG. And I'm like, I'm going to get in these guys' band. And I let the guitar player check out my SG. I don't think they were really wanting to go with me, you know, but I kept bugging, man. The next thing you know, the guitar player said, hey, man, why don't you join our band? I was like, cool. And then I ended up playing with him and he showed me a lot of things and I mostly played rhythm and he was the, like the lead player, but we did like, you know, harmony things, you know, together sometimes, but he had like the vibrato. I didn't have any of that. You what know. kind of songs were you playing? Was it all rock? Uh, or was it... it was all rock. You know, a combination yeah. like, you know, top 40 stuff. We played like, you know, Santana. You know, we're talking yeah. like the first record, second record. You know, Oye Come Ova. You know, That's all, a great record. Yeah, all that stuff. And we did like, um, you ever heard of Blood Rock? Yeah, this, it's a long time ago. <laughs> uh, we played... Um, uh, 70s rock, you know, Deep Purple we played, you know, we played uh, Average White Band. I love that. Early 70s to mid 70s, because I graduated 74. I'm going to be 60 coming up soon. <laughs> hey, holy shit, man. Do you realize what a Vic 
Tory it is like that yeah man. that you're getting carded at yeah it's age? pretty funny <laughs> that's amazing it's pretty funny but it only surprising. happens once in a while i know but still you know i can tell now you did something pretty ballsy you moved to la right yeah from colorado like in 19 i moved 70 77 78 so from colorado and you're i lived a... in this little town uh security colorado like a small town dude. i already lost the math does that mean you're like 20 years old when you left or yeah i was about 21 22 somewhere around there and i had a band there too and then uh moved to south central los angeles with my grandmother oh well at least you had family yeah That's you cool. know i wasn't going to go to new york you know right. too crazy there and then uh i started playing around and uh i was checking out the grounds you know going to hollywood did you checking know out were, the local were you areas. like driven or were you like i want to do this oh I, I was totally gonna do it because it's, it's that's why we moved there that's, that's cool, i mean right i man. got there i went to a studio had all these pictures you know a studio and they took pictures of me with my i'm posing with my flying headshots yeah headshots you know body you know waist up shots the whole bit and uh I, you know i put all these pictures up all over of myself in Hollywood and South Central too. Hey, guitar player, looking for work. That called me, you know, had the number in there and I got a couple calls. Great. So I ended up playing in a funk, big, not so much a funk band, but a top 40 rhythm and blues, uh, you know, late 70s R&B. We had, you know, six, five singers, you know, seven, eight piece band. You know, we did that. We played, you know, the spinners and did all that kind of stuff. Thing, yeah, I know? love that stuff, man. Tower power. You know, everybody played what is hip, you yeah. know. But anyway, that's, that, that's that type stuff. of thing. Horn section stuff. Yeah, we had, I mean, we had the full shebangs, wearing suits the whole bit. And we so all good stepped. Get... We did the steps, you oh, know. yeah, you got to know that in L.A., man. Yeah, man. Had to do all that. Play the player's choice. And I don't know if you know any of those clubs. It's all South Central. And then uh, I got a call mm. from the busboys guys. And I auditioned for those guys probably 1980, 79, 80. Three times I auditioned because they had another guy. They were checking out the other guys, you know. So like three times in one week or something? They were like it, yeah, indecisive. It was, yeah, and it was driving me nuts because I'm thinking, I went to go see him at Madame Wong's back then, it was called, Esther Wong. She had Madame Wong's East that was on Santa Monica. No, that was Madame Wong's West. And then Madame Wong's East was the main, most popular one. It was in uh, Chinatown. They were already playing there, and they were, like, just really getting to be known. And she actually didn't care for this skin color playing in that club. Oh, man. She hadn't really heard them yet. She actually gave them a chance to wow. play in the club. This How was before nice I was in the band, you know. And then, uh, so they played one night, and they kept the crowd. You know, they played the second night. There was more people. And then the next weekend, they were like, like the house band. They played like every weekend. And then I went to go see them. And I thought, wow, this these guys are really jumping. I mean, this place is packed. 
uh, it was a crazy club. You had to go up these stairs. There was no elevator. So to get your gear up there, you had to walk it up, man. You know, the heaviest was, of course, our Fender Rhodes, you know, and our bass player's bass rig. He had a rig. Ampeg headers. <laughs> oh, man, he had like a full-blown, like, PA system. He had like a Billy Sheehan system back then, you know. But uh, we ended up doing that, playing there, being the house man, and then about four months later. I mean, we played a lot of different places. And then uh, Clive Davis signed us. And I replaced the original guitar player. Before that deal. Before that deal, yeah. Now, I was just so impressed, you know, by you guys' shuffles. Like, there's shuffles, and in there are shuffles. Like, you guys are not messing around. Like, the piano player's going, yeah, yeah. How do you even hit the keys that fast? It's so weird, because those guys were total, that was a, they were an R&B funk, I mean, Parliament Funkadelic band, right? Period. And then they just did a flip-flop. So their way of rock was completely different. Yeah. You know, they didn't know a lot of the stuff that I knew. Play one of those songs for at us. At all. Oh, man. Just uh, a groove, you know, like a feel, like a maybe a Boys Are Back in Town. It's all Chuck Berry, you know? Yeah, but it was so tight. Yeah, yeah, and it was all kind of a fun, happy... We did this one song called D-Day. That was probably one of the more funkier songs that we we did. It was kind of a... Well, actually, we did a whole complete funk record with that had Eddie Murphy sang on it. Um, uh, That was later on, though, but... uh, let me see if I can remember this thing. It's kind of one of those things. Oh, yeah. And it went D-Day, D-Day against that rift. Like many, many people, I first heard of you guys from, I guess, was it Delirious Eddie, movie, yeah. Eddie Murphy movie? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Then I found out you guys were in 48 Hours and stuff, too, which is a great Eddie Murphy movie. With yeah, that was, like, unexpected, actually, for us. Cause yeah, how did you meet there him? Was, it, we, it actually didn't have anything to do with getting us in that movie. It was... Uh, 48 Hours or... 48 Hours. Uh, he had everything to do with us doing Delirious, though. Right. But... Um, for the movie it was Walter Hill the director he was a fan of the band and I think there was another local band that he was trying to get I can't remember the name I just remembered the joke he was saying about you hey keep going yeah yeah I know what you're talking about I know exactly what you're getting at what did he say and uh, the, the, the fish stop swimming when the bus boys come to your house or something crazy like that right <laughs> yeah because you guys are on the prowl yeah I mean I know he's just joking yeah like, he was just joking but he about was, the sax player oh my god with your brothers. oh man he was so funny though i mean nightly i mean he was so hot as you know but uh he actually we didn't meet up with him until after that of course during the movie of course we were meeting with him and everything but walter hill actually got us in the movie and then of course we got to know eddie from that and then eddie was like hey i'm gonna take you guys on tour with us you know we're like cool you know because we had you know we were thinking wow that'll be a great tour you know yeah, and like uh, a, opening for him every night. It's an arena tour. Yeah, he did all arenas. And I mean, we only played 45 minutes. So yeah. we just got up there and did our little hot little set. And then we were, uh, we'd watch the rest of his show. I mean, just be dying laughing, you know. Yeah, he's a character. Would he do any hijinks offstage? <laughs> yeah, he was pretty normal. He would just still be talking his stuff, you know, still making you laugh. You know, we went to a couple of clubs on a couple nights that we had off, you know. And he was still his normal self, except for he had the big entourage, you know. And we'd hang out, and he'd be sitting at his table with this Coca-Cola, because he did not drink. 
You know, he wasn't a wine guy. He wasn't a con, uh, cognac guy or whatever the other kind of booze. He didn't do any of that. He was completely straight, 24-7. He took you on uh, Saturday Night Live, I guess. Too, that, yep, and he had everything to do with that, too. So, I mean, he was running the show, dude. Uh, yeah. What's the uh, the creator's name? Lauren Michaels. Michaels. Yeah, he uh, knew of the band. Because we played a lot in New York. Uh, when we first got signed with Clive Davis, so we were playing a lot of places, and I, it, it was hot at that time, you know. But Eddie was pretty much running the show. I mean, they had a lot of stars on that, but he was the guy, and uh, he got us, you know, on the show, you know, whatever him and Lauren Michaels, and he actually participated with us on a song. He actually dressed up like us, and oh, it's it was, great. He it loves was, you guys, man. Oh man, it was great. It was a good time. Did you guys participate with him on Party All the Time? No, no, no. That was all Rick James. <laughs> oh really? You yeah. That for but Eddie? I was in the studio. I checked him out when he was doing all that stuff, you know. Yeah. yeah. But he was. Uh, that was all Rick James, and uh, so your home base was still L.A. Yeah. Were you doing other sessions and stuff at that time? No, I was pretty much doing the Busboys full time then. And, you know, Busboys had a offer from NBC to do a TV show, kind of like, you know, the Monkees, but it's going to be yeah. called the Busboys on NBC. Wow. And that whole thing kind of fell apart because of some guys. Uh-oh. Because uh, of what? So then we were just well, like, what okay. what did they do? They're well, they, we, they kind of wanted to do a full-fledged motion picture instead. And I'm thinking, hmm, no, we should, we should try the... Anyway, that didn't happen, and right about that time, I thought, you know what, I think I'm going to exit, and I got going. Did you have another gig, or you just Nope, like- I didn't have another gig. I didn't know what I was going to do, but the guys from Soundbear, two of the guys from Soundbear kept calling and asking, because I was kind of moonlighting with them on the side. I'd jam with them and play shows with them. When uh, we weren't on tour, I'd just play shows with Soundbear at the Country Club, and I don't know if you remember that place, but it was, uh, everybody used to play there, like Racer X, and you know, all, everybody used to play this club, you know, it was a nice club, nice stage, nice sound system. I saw a great video of you and the Bus Boys. Like, it's re- it's obviously taken off like a VHS cassette or something. Probably, oh, you know and it is. And it's a total board mix, like there's, Eesh. and you still sound amazing. That's the ultimate test when the eq yeah. is all wrong the yeah, levels yeah. are wrong there's yeah. no air whatsoever yeah. and the guitar is still sent like you took a big solo oh, you're wow, playing like cool. a i just had a marshall jmp head 100 watt i don't know 70s head or something and uh and a 412 cabinet you and know with guitars. 25s in it oh, yeah. and i had charvel charvel that's what it was wayne charvel i never met wayne i actually bought my first charvel at Guitar Center when we got our upfront money, you know, oh yeah, for the record deal. And uh, it was 600 bucks back then. And then um, I played, it was a blue Charvel, I love that guitar. I played it, played it forever, and then Jackson, Grover Jackson came to one of the shows we played at the Starwood. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember the Starwood. I know all these names, like, but I was the in Star- the Bay Area. You know? Oh, okay, that's right, so you were up here. Because yeah. we only played, the Bay Area we played... I can't remember that, but we played a couple of them. I remember Neil Sean coming to one and sitting right in front. He was all, yeah, man, dig you guys. I'm thinking, oh, man, Neil, you're killing me, man. Don't sit so close. <laughs> you know? uh, was he already a big shot? You know, I mean, was he oh, yeah, he was totally yeah. a big shot, man. In the 80s, the early 80s, was, oh, yeah, the Journey 80s. was huge. I lost track of the decades for yeah, a second. Yeah, there you yeah. go, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was awesome, man. He, I mean, he's still awesome. He's really nice, you know. He soulful cat. Yeah. Came back and and talked with us, and 
he was definitely partying back then, but he was cool, man. He was very cool to me. He's still cool. Every once in a while, he'll come through with he, him and Sam do stuff together and whatever. We come up here and he jams. He rips it up. Dude, this is the clubhouse right here. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Everyone comes through. Yeah. You know, his son lives right around the corner from me, too. Yeah, he's, Miles, huh? Yeah, Miles. That little sucker can play, too, you know? Yeah, he's got it going on. Yeah, man, you know, so. So you were playing with Sound Barrier. Yeah, the two guys, they kind of said, hey, let's do this thing together. And I was like, ah, because I had a couple things that kind of fell in my lap that I could have done. Uh, Robert Palmer. That would have been a great yeah, gig in the 80s. Yeah, uh, because Eddie Martinez was not doing it. or Anyway, I got a call. I was kind of like on hold for that, but that didn't happen. And the new edition, I was like, hmm. I don't know if I want to do that, but, uh, I, you know, at the time, I, I, I probably would have done it, but that didn't come through either, actually. I really didn't really want to do it anyway. And then the other thing that I had fallen in my lap that maybe I should have done, I don't know, was the Arsenio Hall show. Because right. I knew Arsenio from Lake Tahoe. We used to play shows there together all the time, and he'd be in the big room opening. He was doing his stand-up, and he'd open for Sammy Davis Jr. or Patti LaBelle or whoever. He'd always come over and hang out with us us at the cabaret room and we'd hang out and Sammy Davis would come over and hang out. I mean, this is, this was some fun, fun times, man. It was unbelievable. Anyway, fast forward, there was this show that Arsenio used to do in there. And I was actually on the show with this singer that was on that. What was the name of that show? But anyway, I did that show and, you know, I I knew Arsenio on that show and this and that. And he's like, wow, I'm getting a TV show. Of course, busboys were on the show a few times. Awesome. You know, Van Halen did his show like twice, what? I think. Yeah, and it killed, man. The sound on that show was unbelievable. Loved it. And then um, right around the time he got the show, I started playing, doing stuff with Sound Barrier. So we started right at it, man. We started writing songs. I had all these riffs and things. And, and at one point, I was even going to play Fishbone. Love that show. And, um, but the Arsenio thing kind of fell apart because I ended up doing the stuff with Sound Barrier. And then we got signed and did our first record. Yeah. So we did that and we did like a three-month tour. And then... Were you opening for any bands or just... Uh, we had a, There was another band that we were opening for and sometimes yeah. we headlined our own thing. Right. They sounded like ACDC, the band that we were opening for. But they were good. They were really good, but it was total... You know... I love it. I love these guitars down in D. You and Sam. Oh, man, are we're low. It makes everything high. Hey, the thing about it is when you tune it down like this, you got to have some in there. You got to have extra highs because otherwise it just sounds like playing classic rock, you know? Yeah. it's uh, And you got to have some extra thick strings. These are Yeah, because like, these are, yeah, these are like 11 to 52s. And then I have one for slide on a ES-175 that's on tour. And the bottom is like 12, it's 12 to 54. For listeners who can't see that, this is your B rig here. Yeah, yeah, this is my B tri stereo wet dry wet deal. You got like two reissue hand wired plexis. Yeah, the one is actually a stock one, a hand wired, and the one that we're hearing is a David Bray SLP. Aha. Uh-huh. And I picked that one up on eBay because the guy's name and I went on his site and looked and he was like oh I used to work with Paul Reed Smith and I played some of Paul's stuff and heard his stuff you know and I'm thinking oh this gotta be pretty good because I remember it so anyway I got the head and it sounded good but it wasn't what I remembered 
So I ended up calling David and see if he could kind of rearrange the tone a little bit for me. What did he do? Well, I just wanted a little more gain, first of all, because the other head that the head that I bought it, it didn't have as much. So he changed some caps and did some resistors. He did a bunch of stuff in there. I can't tell you all the right. stuff because that's not my gig. I just know what I want to hear, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, totally. And uh, I just told him I want a little more high ends and I want mid range because. I like mid-range, you know, and I like a little cutting sound. So he did that for me over like many years, you know, because yeah. initially uh, I used the head as it was for a couple of years. And then I called him and he was nice enough to, uh, hey, just send it down and I'll do it. No, is that all the gain we're hearing from the amp? Yeah. Let me hear that. You can show us that gain. It sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah, the gain is... Uh, Now, I always hit the front of the amps. I mean, even without this on, this yeah. is a little microamp boost, but I have I use several ones. I have the EP boosters. I have uh, a Magic Box. They make little boosters, too. They make a lot of different pedals. They made distortion pedals. Doug Aldridge also has stuff with them. And the guy that runs that joint, uh, Rob Nishida, I've known for many years, too. He's a good friend of mine. He was, he was at Ibanez for like 17 years, but I met him way back when he was a manager at uh, Guitar Center. And so he used to hook me all up with all the good stuff, you know. But the amp, all the distortion, this is without them, because it's just a clean boost. So that's just the amp. Yeah, it doesn't even need that boost. Yeah, really. but it, it definitely... Now, mind you, you know, if it's turned up, it's going to be, I mean, we're pretty low. So if that's turned up another 10%, 15%. This so loud when you got like yeah, Chad we're pretty Smith loud and Sammy Hagar. Yeah, Joe too. Joe's pretty loud. You know, Joe's got a big old thick kind of darker sound and he's, he pumps too, you know, so. But you get, yeah, you get everybody in here, man, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a bright sound, especially with my amps hitting over there up against that glass, you know. No? You use the, you have the two Mesa power amps to power the effects? Yeah, for the side? wet, yeah, the left and right wets. Um, so there's a, a SPX 900 that I got from them when they first came out with that at Yamaha. I was using their stuff for many years. And uh, I have a bunch of those SPX 900s. Awesome. Man. So now everybody's going to run out and get one of those probably. But the <laughs> SPX 900, it only does, I, I leave it on constantly. I never turn it on or off in my system. And I'm using like a little tiny, on this system on my B yeah. rig, it's a, uh, Axis Electronics little MIDI switcher. Yeah. The, what do you call it? The uh, MFC5 MIDI switcher. The, the guy doesn't yeah. even make the stuff anymore, unfortunately. But right. it's really nice stuff. But anyway, so that thing stays on 24-7. I never, it never turns off. So it's either I have it, either I have it on, which is a little coursing. That's all, it'll stay on for whatever, for those songs. And then I'll have another program with no coursing. And the actual delay settings in each one is like one millisecond, and yeah. the other one over here is like two milliseconds. Yeah. And you don't. What does that sound like if you just go? But you just. So what it does is like, it's like, like if yeah. you're listening, for me, 
first of all, when I got into this, I'm jumping all over the place, but mm. I seen this setup with three cabinets before. When I first moved to LA and I saw a band called UK right. and Alan Holsworth was playing in that band. I loved that kind of stuff at that time. I still do. And he was opening, they were opening for uh, Al Demiola. Same thing too, by the way, with Brian May, when I seen Queen, he had three amps, but I didn't understand what was going on. I'm like going, for me, I'm like going, because a young, young, younger kid, not really knowing all the gear stuff and how these guys are hooking up stuff, because I was just playing okay. through a Marshall, a stack, you know, and mono, you know, two cabinets, you know, eight ohms, you know. But seeing that and hearing that, I'm like, man, that's something, something, something else <laughs> is going on there, you know, the sound of that. So I investigated, of course, as much as I could, but I couldn't really find out what the heck was going on because nobody was really getting what I was talking about. A couple of my friends that I had met in L.A., guitar players, and then I came across Mike Eldred. Do you know yeah, Mike Eldred? Yeah, I know Mike. Yeah, totally. Mike Eldred is awesome. He's, he's a man. He's the one that showed me this rig because Alan used to rehearse at Charvel, and he had all his rigs set up there. And Back then, he used a stereo tap delay to do right. that sound but he had one dry and yeah. two wets and yeah. i was like oh that's what it is i still but he showed me what it how to do it i mean you can do it with anything that's got the pitch shifting left and right that you can adjust you know anyway that's the first one that i got and i had a, a yamaha d1500 i would i still have i have several of them yeah. But that SPX 900, he hooked it up for me with a power amp. I had a P700 uh, power amp. And I was, he goes, just stand back and listen to this. Boom. And, and it just, I was like, oh, yeah, man. So he, he showed me all this. And then he introduced the, the, you know, the delay in with it. So we went, you know, out of that thing, you know, stereo into the delay, then out of that into the power amp. So I just used those two units, you know, uh, for, the, for that sound. So then, and then you can... That's an eighth and a dotted eighth. I'm yeah. Like, I know that rhythm. I love yeah. that. You know, yeah. it's, it's almost reverby sounding, you know, when you get going on. You know what I mean? And you have the dry in the middle. So and the, the dry in the middle. So it's always there, that dry, other than whatever you might put on it pre, you know, like, you know, I got this wah-wah. Of course, that's going to come, you know, through the dry and every, and the wet cabinets. You know, like our sound man, Ace, this guy, is, he's awesome. He totally gets what, you know, what I'm doing. You know, because not everybody's does that. Either the guys will just be mono or just stereo just two cabinets you know and that's cool too you know it, it all works when you're doing like the van halen stuff in the set like the chorus really does have that like yeah. how do you get that chorus with a the big distorted amp sound with the stereo chorus are you still using the 900? yeah see and that's just it with the i use the spx 900 for that um i tried like little pedals you know there's not enough adjustment on that you know parameter wise like for output yeah. uh, and input you know what I mean? I mean, you can do it with that, but it's a little, it doesn't sound as good. The little pedal just doesn't quite, I mean, you can do it, but it just doesn't have enough fidelity in the unit itself to really produce and get unity gain. And, you know, you need to be able to adjust those volumes to really have it sound good. So on this unit, you of course, any rack unit, you're going to have those abilities to do that, you know? And again, I only have two sounds on the SPX 900. There's a bunch of stuff in there, but I only use two there's a pitch change number 52 oh, yeah. patch 50. it's like patch change number two and there's no no coursing zero yeah. coursing that's just a straight tone right right and with with some delay if i want 
that's it though yeah. but the delay is actually coming yeah. from my uh the lexicon mpx1 right so that's what's so there's two and those are again yeah. those are in parallel so but there's no no chorusing zero right just straight tone there and then that's pitch change number two now this is going to have that little hint of coursing, but it's not the warbly kind of weird coursing. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I mean, you know, it's that, it's that, you know. can hear this see it doesn't sound like your normal chorus it's real smooth and even yeah and now there's none those are the only two that I go I either gonna have some or not have any at all and then you know if I want to expression pedal that I can do that but I just I don't even mess with that I just have it go either or Or just none at all. Sounds equally great both ways. You know? Yeah. So you got like, yeah. you know. Sweet. I love hearing the bite of that. It's a great bite. So now I really want to get back to how the heck did you, well, what happened after Soundberry? Is that when you found the Sammy gig or how did you meet oh, Sammy? Oh, no. So we kind of, we did some stuff. Our album came out, did the tour yeah. uh, after this is with two of the guys from Soundbarrier. The bass player was the last bass player from the Bus Boys, the guy Andre Berry I was telling yeah. you about that you're probably going to end up running into. But anyway, we we, we, we made a record, and, and that was fine. It was, you know, we, and then we broke up. I, I didn't want to leave town, so I worked with Dr. Dre for about two years. Oh, shit. I did 
all kinds of just like, rap galore because it was right when he i don't know how much you know about any of that kind of stuff but he was uh he had just started the aftermath record label interscope it said here's 200 gazillion dollars and do it you know and i played on his first hit uh keep their heads ringing you know it was nice. big i mean he was he was big you know and i played on some demos with snoop and tupac all these people were around but tupac was kind of still with suge knight kind of thing and that was kind of a weird, rocky time. But anyway, I did that for a couple of years. What were the and type then, of guitar parts you were? Was it oh, mostly there funk was, and you know, everything? Oh, yeah, or? they were all, you know. Uh, you know. Groove stuff. Yeah. Sometimes it wouldn't <laughs> even be that. It would just be like. I'm sorry about the pop. Wah wah pedal itself. The wah wah pedal, yeah. Okay, hey, we don't want to do rig. that. But yeah, it's the B rig. <laughs> Yikes. But yeah, like on uh, that song, one of his songs, Keep Your Heads Ringing, I just played like. That's all it was, man, you know? <laughs> and he was happy. But uh, anyway, so I did all that stuff with those guys, with uh, Sound Barrier, the two guys, and then we made the record, Totally Clips. That thing fell apart, started another band, and then Sammy called. So how did Sammy find out about you? In the middle of, like, 97, like, March, he called, or his people called. What did they and say? And I had no, I, I thought it was a prank phone call or whatever. Because Sammy Hagar, really? What, you know, what, what and it's weird because, well, it was like a guy from Walt Disney that knew the keyboard player that recommended me to for the gig. So the guy at Walt Disney knew one of the managers that used to manage me, got my phone number and said, hey, he called me up. Hey, what do you think about playing with Sammy Hagar? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, you'd be perfect. He's telling me how good I'd be for Sammy Hagar. And I'm just got the phone. I'm just listening going, yeah, right, man. I mean, because that was, that was a heavy phone call. And it was, I don't know if you were around down there, but there was, it happened right when that big shootout of these guys, it was like a huge oh, I remember shootout. That. And it was over by this, uh, the, the keyboards player's house. It was like this big like, bank shootout thing with the, I mean, it was huge. They had and they tons had, of like machine yeah, guns. Yeah, machine guns. I mean, it was a whole nine yards. It happened right that day. I got the phone call that day and they wanted me to come up. I'm like, I'm not coming up that day, man. I will not be. I was like looking at, I'm on the phone and I'm looking at the TV going, oh my God, are you seeing this? I'm talking to the guy, you know, on the phone. Anyway, so I ended up uh, going there after the dust settled. And I went to the keyboard player's house and down in L.A. And he interviewed me and I played. I brought like a little cassette. Remember those? Brought a cassette. We played the cassette of some stuff that I'd done. And some couple little different styles. You know, a little slide. And, you know, just right, right. just my own kind of thing. And then uh, the next day, Sammy called me. And he had played him some of the stuff over the, over the phone. He just said, uh, I heard your stuff, man. It's great, man. You want to come up? You know, you know, I'll get you, you know, a flight up here. And, you know, you come up, you know, come on up. You know, and I like when? He's like, tomorrow. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm there, man. You know, and so I had to tell the other guys in that, that band that we had going, oh, hey, I'm going to go up and check out this thing. Because I, I hadn't really gone out and really auditioned for anyone else other than the bus boys. Because when yeah. I worked with Dr. Dre, he just hired me. He didn't even hear me. He just, I was just 
got lucky with that. There was I didn't yeah. even really know him uh, other than he he was auditioning people for his label at that time, and we got hired that band before the girl got hired just as a house band because of his yeah. guy that seen us playing in clubs. He goes, oh, I know these four brothers, man. They throw it down, you know, and blah, 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 and a guitar player and this and that, and they can come hold a fort down for this two-week audition. He up, he had like, it was yeah. it was the normal Hollywood cattle call. Right. Everybody you know, but it had nothing to do with me. I already, I had my gig. I was the house band. I was getting paid. He paid yeah. everyone nicely. Yeah. And then after that was all said and done, then he hired me to record with all his, him and his people. Yeah. And he was under house arrest during that whole time. <laughs> Still working. What was he like as a producer? Like when Awesome. You, what was awesome. He, man, I'm, I'm tell you, I've never seen people blow up NS10s the way he does. <laughs> really? I mean, I've been in a lot of studios. I know you have too. Man, playback on the rap, you better have some, you better have a lot of spare speakers. And he did. He had closetfuls <laughs> of, he was the NS10 man back then. He had two studers. You know, he's yeah. all about analog, even though there was some digital stuff happening back then. He's all about big fat. He's awesome. You know, as I know, I worked at his house, you know, because he was under house arrest. So he lived in Mountain View Estates, had a crib there, and we work at his house. They let him out of jail from uh, eight in the morning till, no, 10, 10. They let him out at 10, and he could work until eight. He had to be back by eight. Oh, back. What was his crime? He slapped this girl at BET. He did, you know, he's a super nice guy, man. He, but he, I wasn't there, but he told me, he goes, man, I slept this girl. He goes, man, I barely touched the girl. But hey, you touch a girl, you're going to go to jail, you know. And it's not like you, you know, you from NWA. They're, they're probably going to go ahead and they're going to strap you down, you know. So he had like three months of house rest, though. It's kind of rough three months of wearing that thing yeah. and Ice Cube would come in and they would all clown on him and laugh and I'd be like oh <laughs> I mean because they're brothers you know that yeah. I'm just a hired guy on the outside coming in you know so I'm not really hanging like that yeah. you know so but they were clowning on him well, I couldn't help but laugh because everybody else was laughing <laughs> so I just kind of turned my head and just kind of mm. looked down at the floor and laughed because Ice Cube was burning on him <laughs> what was you he know? saying oh just all kinds of stuff man you know like you fucked up and yeah. see what you get, man. You can't be hurting no girls and this and that, you know. He was just going berserk <laughs> on him. But they're buddies. Now though. they're two of the biggest they're entertainers They're huge, man. I never, never would yeah. imagine, but uh, that was a fun time. For two years, I did that, and then there was a situation where Suge Knight came to his house uh, one day. Came to Dre's house? Came to his house, and he said he was someone else. And Dre actually had a bodyguard during his house arrest because he's still a star, yeah. you know, and this bodyguard guy saw this car pull up. First of all, there's a there's, it's a gated community. So you got to at the gate, say who you are before you even come in. And they said it was Mo Austin or somebody that, you know, at the gate, you know, and it really wasn't. And the, the bodyguard said, oh, yeah, let him in, you know, let him come on up. And he, the car, you know, it was, it was a limo that pulled up, but it wasn't Mo Austin. It was the gang. And then the bodyguard guy pushed everybody and, you know, hey, man, you guys get in the back room, you know, Suge, Suge Knight, man. They come running up to the front door. I thought, oh, no. Because I knew a little yeah. bit of the story that was going right. on with these guys. And, man, I sat back there in that room for three hours in the back of the studio waiting for them to whatever negotiate. And I thought it was going to come down. The LAPD came flying over the house because Dre was late because, oh, wow. you know, the guy was, Suge Knight was there. I mean, it was, it was scary. So I quit. After I'm just that. a guitar player. Yeah. Yeah, man. Don't so you shoot quit me. after that? I quit. I told you, I said, dude, love you, man. But 
you know, I, I, I can't, you know. And then about a couple of weeks after that is when uh, Sammy called. That's an amazing story. So I went up there and auditioned at Sammy's house. Played a couple of, we played like a couple of Montreal songs. Like, you know, rock. I already knew those, the rock, you know, his stuff. Yeah. I knew like uh, heavy metal, you know, because from the movie and all that. I always liked yeah. him. I liked him yeah. from Montreal. So I kind of was already hit to what he was doing. And I, was, and I came in, I just had a Les Paul. I had my black 77 Les Paul, which I still have. It, heavy as hell played through his uh that little red see that red uh Cabinet. combo over there with yeah. the evs in it and he used that on all his early stuff on oh, cool. all of all his hits and everything yeah yeah it's like a and marshall it's, combo with a yeah it's actually a built cabinet by keith olsen he built the cat he took the head out and he built a ca the cabinet for it and it's just homemade that thing is yeah, killer sounding yeah and uh but I played through that all the way up. I didn't even bother with, oh, we're going to play a little, you know, I turned it up. Was he playing too? or he just... Nope. He just was watching and listening and singing. No and we, we played like three songs and he yeah. was done. He's like, yeah. next? Kind of like says, your rehearsals nowadays. Yeah, man. But it was, <laughs> but we did rehearse for like a couple of weeks before we went on that first tour because we had a big radio, live radio from Cabo Wabo, big gigantic party there down there so yeah it seems like that's kind of so many gigs come up at the last minute like i mean two weeks before the tour yeah he didn't have a guitar i player. mean i i went there on a friday and was back on monday to start rehearsals to go start a tour which started in cabo so and i've been here i thought it was going to last for a year it ended up lasting for 18 and years counting. and still counting exactly yeah it's a wonderful thing so what's it like working with sammy like, oh man it's 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 awesome because He's, he knows what he wants. He knows exactly. Believe me, this guy knows what he wants. He knows what he's hearing. He's a commercial guy. He's not, yeah. you know, he's not so much, you know, the shredding guy or anything like that. You don't, you know, it's he's about having the songs and, and simple and commercial, but cool, you know, yeah. and as his songs are, you know, he's that kind of guy. So, but he's. But, you know, at the same time, he's open for, you know, whatever you got going, you know, because I've on all the things that I have recorded with him. He's always say, hey, Vic, what you got? What you you know, what do you think? You know, he will always ask, you know, so that's yeah. cool. He doesn't always just totally like run the show. He's he's open minded for everybody else to put in there, you know, 25 percent or whatever. He's really cool about that, you know. Yeah, it seems that way. And monster guitar player. Yeah, I mean, he can play. I, I always tell him because for a while there he wasn't playing. I was like, Sam, you got to play, man. You yeah. have to play because people know you can play. He's like, ah, yeah. I just want to sing, you know. I'm like, no, man, you got to play. <laughs> Fill us in on the timeline. I'm foggy myself. Was When you joined, was that like pretty much right after he left Van Halen? Yep. Or? Yeah, because I think, um, and you know, it's weird because I met him 10 years prior. I was in the busboy still, about to leave the busboys when I actually met him for the first time. Right. And I knew Michael Anthony in 1982. Yeah. I met him because I was going to Van Halen rehearsals what? because my tech ended up working for Michael Anthony, <laughs> Kevin Sweet. Dugan, who we still have with us today. You know, but Sweet. he was my tech first, this guy, Kevin Dugan. He goes, hey, I got good news, I got bad news. He goes, bad news is I can't work for you anymore because I got another gig. Understandable. Who are you working for? Van Halen, I was like, oh, dude, congratulations, you know? Can't argue right. with that one, right? And. uh so anytime you want to go like right, rehearsals or something, let me know. If it's open rehearsal, I'll let you know. You can let me know and you can come by. Dude, I was there. I went yeah. to, what's that album? You know, the one with uh, Unchained and all that. that I saw those. That far back? Fair yeah. Warning? Yes, Fair Warning. I thought it was Sammy years. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. yeah, this is me. So I was checking them yeah. out. I couldn't play like that, but I 
sure liked the way he was doing it. And I saw them at the Starwood when I first moved. I didn't know any anyone, of course, then. But yeah. I saw them play like one of their last gigs there. I didn't even know who they were. I just walked okay. in the club, you know, and uh, there they were. I didn't know who these guys were. I was like, dang, the guitar like- player is killing, you know. Yeah, what was he like when he was playing the clubs? I didn't, I mean, he was, of course, you know, he was like, Loud, <laughs> extremely loud. Uh, the band was loud, but it wasn't. You know, it wasn't as loud as most people think. Yep. You know, because uh, they were definitely pumping through the PA, and he definitely had that whole Variac thing and going. He had that big old that bomb, bomb looking thing. thing. Yeah, but he definitely had tone jumping off. You know, I mean, it was two cabinets with those echoplexes going. I mean, it was yep. killing. I mean, it, it was noisiest. That's what I was tripping off of, how noisy it was in, in between. between songs. Yeah, I mean, oh, dude, it was. Re- I mean, nothing like what I got going. I mean, yeah. it was ten times that, you know. And uh, but man, he yeah. was killing. He was playing. I was like, damn, this dude's bad. And then the record came out. I was like, oh, I know exactly who that was, you know. And running with the devil came out. I was like, oh. So I had actually got a tremolo bar and the flood, the Floyd and all that I had installed in New York at Stuyvesant, that place on 48th Street when I was on tour. And and I should have never done that because I never learned how to use that thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I couldn't do it the way Eddie or Steve Vai or some of these guys. I just... Yeah, I just had to have one because it was the thing, yeah, right? Everyone had it to did have not one. work for yeah. me, man. That I, didn't work for me. Though, you know, fast forward to now, though, I do have one of the Floyds on a, a Les Paul that I have that I play out there. And then, of course, I got one of 80s guitars. And actually, I got two 80s guitars. I got one of those Wolfgangs, too. Sweet. You know. Yeah. So now, what was your first show with Sammy like? Man, it was scary. The the first, oh, that was scary because it was live. And then, you know, they was cut in back and forth. There was. It was a you radio know, deal? Yeah, it was radio. So it was, it was big. Yeah. So yeah. for me, I was like, man, this is... And I had people, friends of his, people in my ear saying, oh, man, you know, you got to do this. And you got to do that. Yeah. And you, ha- you know... Big shoes to fill. Yeah. I mean, I was getting that from all kinds of angles. And yeah. uh, I just pretty much just like, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, <laughs> but hey, I'm not him. You know, I would not say... I would not really have conversation about Eddie with his friends and the people that were, you know, because uh, I'm not him. It's right. just all there is to it. I'm going to do the best. First of all, he wasn't even going to play any Van Halen songs. Initially, he's just going to play all his his stuff. He's got plenty of library for all that. He's got a big body of work. You know, it's like, mm, maybe you should play some Van Halen. Might as well. You wrote some of those songs. You wrote quite a few of those songs. And by the way, you know, he shaped them into their commercial thing. Eddie's definitely a commercial guy, he knows, but yep. Sammy's definitely commercial and he shaped a lot of those songs into big hits. Cause hey, right. he's the singer and he's a yeah. badass singer. So you get badass singer, badass guitar player, you know, that's gonna work. But for me, I I can't be Eddie. I can only do my version of him. If you were doing it, you'd be the same way. You'd be doing your version of him. I mean, hell, when Steve Vai was playing with, with Roth, yeah. you know, but he was, he was pretty much his own guy, but he played Eddie's stuff, and he did them the way he did them, you know, yeah. and he killed them, you know. Yes, of course. So, yeah. But, you know, he don't sound like Eddie. You know, he sounds like him, you know. Uh, uh, even at one point, Sammy was going to have Joe play do the circle thing, or Joe was actually going to do it, and Joe said, eh, you know. No, I don't think so. I think I'm going to just do my own thing here. And he's like, why don't you have Vic do it? 
because I was just sitting on the outskirts thinking Joe was going to do it. Wow. Well, and then, lucky uh, you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, you know, Joe's got his own thing. He's, yeah, he's got you know, big th- big things coming up this yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, he's got, I, you know, Joe's awesome. I mean, That would be so chicken footy, though. I mean, yeah. that would be pretty close. Exactly, exactly. And to have him doing 80 songs, I don't think. Right. I wouldn't do it. If I was him, it's like, nah, I think I'll pass. Yeah. You know, so he did, that. and I ended up doing it. So, because basically, I mean, because uh, all the songs we're playing, there's not really, there's no chicken foot songs really in this, you know, just kind of, because chicken foot yeah. still exists, even though they're not playing right now or whatever, yeah. but they'll probably do something at some point. It's still there for them to do that, but with the circle, it's all, you know, you got Jason, so we add some Zeppelin, you know, and then you got Sammy's own tunes, you know, you got the Van Halen tunes. I already kind of, I've been playing them, you know. Again, you know, I don't play them like Eddie, but, you know, I do my version of it, and we get along just fine. Sammy is such an entrepreneur and such a businessman. Most musicians aren't. Have you learned anything about yes. business yeah, man. and how to monetize your career or anything? How does it translate? Yeah, well, I mean, he's had a lot of help along the way himself. I mean, he doesn't just happen all by himself. He doesn't solely just, you know, hey, I made the decision. I know exactly how much to sell Cabo Wobble for. No, man, it don't work like that. He called me, like, for, just to, for instance, you know, because he's yeah. got good people, though, giving yeah. him advice, you know. Right. But then there's been, you got those snakes and those roaches that fuck you up, you know, and he was able to get through those, some of those roaches and whatever you have out there. I would, after I got to know Sammy and some of the people that were working with him, I go, you know what, Sam? Cause now I know him. So I can kind of yeah. say, you know, someone's so right there, man, they bug me, you know, so I, don't, calls you I just a... watch them on the side and sure enough, they ended up being roaches and he got rid of all of them because they were roaches, you know, then he right. ended up, you know, hiring these other people who were good people. I'm a, again, I'm like, I'm watching from his side, you know, and I'm like going, you know what? Those are good people. And sure enough, they were, Nicely you know, done. so I'm his right hand man. Yeah. So, but I mean, have you picked up anything just from watching him or the osmosis? Like, well, I mean, you know, like, like playing wise, I watch every little thing he does, like, you know, yeah. playing wise, he has a way that he plays and the way he picks, you know, I'm still going to do the way I, I oh, you yeah. know, like I, you know, like yourself, you know, you sit there and you watch a guy play, you know. I like. Oh, I sit there and watch Joe play. I learn a couple things from him, little things, you know. But I'm still gonna be me, you know. But yeah. there's little things that I I I check out, you know, when a guy's playing and how they hold the string and bend the string or whatever, how they set their amp maybe. But you know, once you get kind of older, you kind of go, you get set in your ways, <laughs> and you go, I know what I want. You know, but along the way, I've always, you know, I always check out what other people do, you know. Sam is such a leader, though, on stage and everything and leading the crowd, leading the band. He's like a comic. I mean, there's not many like him that can. There's no there's no one really like him, actually, and rock that I know of that comes off the way he does live. I mean, he is like Richard Pryor, you know, Eddie Murphy or and whoever else. You know, he's a little on the dirty side, but he's been that way since day one. On stage, he is. Yeah, he's been that way since. I guess day I remember one. that from the Van, you know, Van Hagar he talked shows. The same, yeah, I mean, he before Van Halen, he's talked the same stuff mm-hmm. as he does now. 
is the same. He's yeah. n- he's never changed in that way as far as on stage. I don't see how some of the stuff how he gets away with it, but he does. What does he say? <laughs> he says, you know, sometimes you know he says says stuff, you know, and his wife will be like, you know, and I'm like, oh, and I just kind of you're sitting I, there in front of your amps. He's I mean he's cleaned up a little bit, but he's still you know he uses bad language, yep. you know, and. He said a couple girl, weird girl things, you know, but he doesn't mean any harm, but he's an entertainer, man. He is the ultimate like backyard kind of guy, like different from Roth. He's more, Roth is almost more, it's it's like, I'm okay, I'm going to write this, you know, it's more calculated. He's kind of, to me anyway. More of a shtick. Because his thing doesn't, it's different the way he's, you know, when he's on stage. It was pretty cool. I like the way he did it, you know, back in the 80s. It was, it's kind of weird now. Right. When I, right. you know, it's just kind of, it's just, I don't know, it's weird. But Sammy's thing is just, I'm with you, y'all. I'm, you know, I'm mm. with you, you know. Well, it's very positive. And then, yeah. of course, so many musicians are hilarious. I've met and, you know, talked with Chad Smith a few times. He's a natural like that. He's another hilarious guy. You hang out with him sometimes in this room. <laughs> yeah, when he's up here recording and stuff. Yeah, absolutely, you know. He, he's that that type of guy, real kind of guy you know it's, there's no I guess if you look like Will Ferrell you gotta be yeah you gotta be perfect pretty funny. for him right yeah and what about Michael Anthony what's he like on Mike's the road? a sweetheart man yeah um, from the very first day I met him way before I started doing this gig yeah. he was a really sweet guy I mean he took my number down back then dude he, he not long ago he texted me he was going through all his stuff he texted me a picture a piece of paper of my phone number, my old LA phone number. He goes, look, Vic, look what I found. Oh, I sweet. almost died. He's cool. excellent. That guy is excellent. Super nice. I, there's not a bad bone in that guy. I don't see yeah. how he got some of that rap that he got from. Yeah, it was nice to see Sam sticking up for him on yeah, that, that one interview. But he's great. Plays Killer pretty loud. Singer, plays crazy loud. If people could actually stand up on stage and listen to his rig, when I go over there, I'm just all I can. I always just say to myself, "Wow, some bass over here, okay?" Because he covers a whole building. Are you guys running in ear monitors, or how's no, he keeping no, track of the drums? No, we're old school. So no, it's all old school. We his, all got wedges. The drums in his wedges must be louder than the bass amps. Everything, yeah. Side fills. Yeah, side fills. Everything's in there. I have him a bit because he covers the whole stage easily without really being in there. He's just in there a hint. You know, Jason's and I got him in there a hint too. I mean, you know, a guy can only do so much volume wise. He can't he can't turn his drums up. Only <laughs> I can where I'm at, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So but, what's next? You guys still are got plenty more shows I see for Circle. We have four another four shows or so. Is this is this a is this a thing now? I mean, is this going to keep going in this well, capacity? Well, as far it's, as I know, you know, like I said, the, it sure is cool. It's it, it ended yeah. up being it was just a test, you know, and it ended up being a lot better than I ever f- figured on. I just thought, man, you know, it's gonna it's alright. But on classic rock, uh, the radio, there's a, a song went number one on classic rock, and it was a Van Halen's pound, pound cake. I was like, really? Uh, it was number one. Yeah, that's, and yeah, I'm that's thinking... Great. I think people were responding. And people buying that stuff, and they, the response on the record's good. You know, I did a lot of producing on that record myself. I, With the engineer, I went through... Oh, man, that was hard work. <laughs> now I see why those guys get paid the big bucks. You mean going through all those archives and stuff? Uh, going through everything, all the shows and all that. But I did it. It was fun. Yeah. I, I liked doing it, and our engineer was awesome. Man, but it was a lot of work. More work yeah. than I ever expected, but uh, 
Yeah, Sammy throw me a bone at that, and then I, I did the acoustic record with him also. Yeah, of course, Sammy's really... the executive producer, but Sammy's at home kicking it like this, mm-hmm. going, "How's the sound, Vic?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here in the studio killing myself, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Uh, whoops! There goes my rock. Hidden under the pick. Picks you use? Uh, these are yellow, the same as a yellow Dunlop, like seventy. Oh, you use one tor- like that, okay. Tortex. Yeah, seventy-two. I love playing with these, but then I, it's like your pick is like the set three times as thick as mine. Yeah, <laughs> well, the, not literally, but yeah, pretty close. Yeah, but I know what you're saying. Mike Scott, he's played Prince and Justin Timberlake, oh, real yeah. funk yeah. player, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. Right. Anyway. But he uses these monster picks too when playing. Is that right? Playing funk. Yeah. Uh-huh. Real aggressive. Yeah. Does he probably, he probably slice? I don't know that guy, but I kind of play with the side of it. It depends on what we're playing. Like when we play uh, 55, I play with the point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a sustain. It's a serious sustain. Yeah. You're playing a PRS. PRS you know, McCarty. McCarty. I have several of them, actually. Yeah, they're great. They're I have great. a... This one Paul gave me... It's actually a B because the top is not great on it. So if it's not a great top, he throws it to the one of the artists. Here, just give that to one of the artists. It's great. Really, I know, man. Like, who cares? But uh, the first, very first one I got is a McCarty, too, and it's a Sunburst McCarty. Micro boost.
going to add some reverb to my shit later after. <laughs> I got to have some verb, man. You know what I mean? How about you going to play this one? <laughs> no, that's too, that's cool. <laughs> hey, so it's cool that you get a big guitar solo every night. Usually. Oh, no, I don't do that. I don't do it every night. That was just, he threw that in there. But I've seen you videos, too, of you doing it I, in previous gigs. Or is that a recent thing? Yeah, he just, I'm like, dude, I don't do those. I don't do solos like that. Ah, so maybe the video something, huh? That must have been a recent video. Yeah, I I mean, um, because we now we don't do it at all. There's no solos. There's no drum solos. No bass solo. No, just for the album, huh? No, it was only on that album. But he just threw that in there, and I was like, (laughs) I don't know what to do. I don't really do that, you know. I knew I wasn't prepared to really do any of that, so I just kind of just whatever. I was because I saw myself. I was like, eh, it's kind of weird, but whatever. Great man, thank you. Oh yeah, I was doing like. Oh, I was kind of like, what was I doing? I don't remember what I was doing. See, because yeah, it was, cool. well, you did, you it was like, I know what I was doing. You rose to the occasion, I know that. I forgot what I was doing. Yes, what I was doing. Something like that I was doing, right, yeah. or something. Yeah, totally. Or I was... I was doing that on a, like a Les Paul or something. My main guitar for that tour has been like this uh, VOS. It's a version of that, a 58, but a Cherry. Les Paul. Yeah. I've been using that. I got that from Gibson. Um, that one I bought on eBay. That one I got from Gibson. Then I have a, what do you call it? The uh, Access. Oh, yeah. Uh, with the, the Floyd on it. It's the only guitar I have with the Floyd, other than the Eddie guitar and the the PV have Floyd type things on them but I don't even take I take those out one time play them and then I you guys did good with covering those sounds you know like it's whole pretty good of, yeah because Jason actually hits the sample on that on his little pad say, but I can play both parts but he's like ah you wanted to do it I'm like cool man you know because I was definitely a couple of nights when the when the shit don't work I was yeah. doing it Yeah, you know. But anyway. You do like the two strings on that, huh? huh? Yeah, you do it like um, that's cool, man. I either do all like this uh, t- all this time. I always heard that, but I didn't know what was what that was. It's a unison D. Okay, yeah. I'm, I can admit it. I'm, just, I'm fucking hey, stupid. Until I started because I never played that song. Not even in a top forty band. Never yeah. played that song just because we didn't have anybody to sing that song, you know. So I never played it, you know, other than goofing around with a little bit of it, yeah. and then we started playing it here. So I listened to it real carefully. I was like, oh, he does a. Yeah. Like, I heard that, but I didn't realize how simple it was to create that sound. Like, you will hear, I thought it was some weird studio effect yeah. or something. Or right, double, right. Double track or something. Yeah, and he does. I mean, Jason was playing, like, all his, because he's got all that stuff on his, on his, uh, all on his phone. And he's got everything, just Jimmy's guitar parts. Love I was like, shit. dang. Well, cool, man. Thank you for meeting. Anything else you want to talk about? or <laughs> Dude, this is a, Wow, it's already 3.30. I just, yeah, thank you so much for setting up You're all welcome, stuff man. You brought out. I wish I could have had the main rig. 
<laughs> brought out one of Joe's amps here. Right on. That's actually Sammy's. Sammy's oh. amp. That's Sammy's Friedman. Joe doesn't use the Friedman anymore. Joe is a Marshall JVM oh, yeah. professional. Just, well, it's his cabinet, right? That's his cabinet, yes. Yeah. Thank you very much, Joe, for letting us use your yeah, cabinet. Sure. I used it for three seconds, I think. <laughs> 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 All right, well, maybe we'll take it out in some kind of jam or something. And, uh... I love that. <laughs> what is that? I don't know, man. I'm just jamming. Is that a song or? Yeah, it's one of my little jams. I love it, dude. What, do you have a solo record coming out, a solo band? Well, that's another thing. You know, I'm getting to it slowly but little, slowly, but uh, it's just taking a gang of time. That was you caught in crosstown traffic. So, man, I just got to tell you a quick little story about the power of music. You know, when I did this interview with Vic, I had actually left my house in Los Angeles at 2 in the morning to drive all night, get to the Bay Area around 9 a.m., and head over to Vic's and Sammy's studio at noon for the interview. No, I do not normally subject myself to such brutality. Driving all night on Highway 5, which anyone from the Bay Area knows, that is just kind of a tough, boring drive. However, in one of my worst scheduling mishaps ever, I had lost track of the date. I thought that I was interviewing Vic on the Friday because they, it had originally been on a Saturday and they were like, hey, we shouldn't do an interview on Saturday, let's move it. So Sammy Hagar's camp moved it and I thought they just backed it up to Friday, but they had backed it up to Thursday. There you have it. But that's what I will go through for this podcast because I care that much. Drinking coffee in the middle of the night, it was crazy. And around dawn, Around 7 a.m., two hours to go, I started to get sleepy. My eyes were starting to drift. And that's when I was like, what do I need to do? 
Spotify, Save Me. I had yet to even hear the new album, The Circle's album, called At Your Service, with Sammy and Vic and the boys playing live. And I put that thing on, opened the windows, and cranked it up so loud. I'm telling you, it was amazing. It woke me up better than any quadruple espresso ever could have. Just feeling that energy, feeling them rock out. I just started singing along and headbanging, sort of. And I swear to God, it woke me up and got me all the way to the Bay Area. So that's the power of music. It changed my body chemistry, and I really appreciate that because I needed that for that ride. And of course, Vic was borderline horrified. He felt so bad when he found out. I didn't tell him till the very, very, very end of our hang because I didn't want him to feel bad before that. And of course, he said, man, you should have called me. We would have changed it, no problem. And I know he would have, but I just didn't want to be that guy. After all those emails with Sammy's assistant, did not want to be like, oops, uh, I kind of forgot. I thought it was on Friday. Just, I couldn't do that. Also, I did have a good feeling that Sammy would be there that day. Because I knew Sammy knew I was coming that day as well. And I wanted to get a quote from him, which I did get from him. Thank you, Sammy. So there you have it. That's what I will go through for this show. And that is also the power of music. It really helped me out that night. Thank you, Sammy and Vic, for that great record. And thanks again to Zoom for the awesome H6 Handy Recorder that I use for all these interviews. I hope you enjoyed that. And of course, please come visit us on Facebook on the No Guitar Is Safe Facebook page, where I'll have pictures of Vic and his guitars and video clips and of course, all of Sammy's crazy Ferraris and Sammy himself. And I also want you to visit, if you can, the Guitar Player Magazine Facebook page and that's where we put a lot of stuff up as well. And I want to thank New Bay Media for supporting this podcast in a big, big way, especially Bill Amstutz and Mike Melinda. Check out their magazines, including Guitar Player Magazine, Guitar World Magazine, Bass Player Magazine, Keyboard, Electronic Musician, Guitar Aficionado, all this stuff, Revolver. And remember what Joe Satriani's music teacher told him, which he related in episode one. Keep it alive till you're 95.